0: At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is sponsored by
2: BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block
3: All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast that, due to a clerical error, was once nominated for a Spanish-language Emmy Award. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy Bailey, the civilized descendant of Genghis Khan and Lucille Ball. How the hell are you,
1: sir? I'm doing well, man. You know, it's been a good week. Football's back in the air for Michigan football, more so, and excited to be here. Absolutely. Glad to have you here.
3: Uh, Still coming off the bye week, but starting to ramp up, get excited for this Saturday's contest back at home in the friendly confines of the big house against Purdue. We will break down that game in this podcast. First, let's touch on some quick hits, some Rumblings and some what have yous. still nothing official on the sign stealing allegations, nonsensical situation. But what we did hear yesterday certainly had me encouraged. This came from Chris Bayless at the. he's at the Wolverine, right? The uh, Wolverine. Uh, I think he's on three now. Yeah, he might be at on three. I'm not sure where everyone's at right now, but he's pretty reliable source. And this was confirmed by John Bacon that Jim Harbaugh is likely to sign a contract that would make him the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Those negotiations are back on. Based on what they're saying, we could have something as soon as this week or it could still linger for a month. But they are having these conversations. What are your thoughts on that? And what does that say about what the Michigan legal team must be thinking about this investigation?
1: I love it. Firstly, like it's awesome. You and I talked about how it would be foolish for either party to sign during an investigation if they thought uh, just punishments were looming in the future. It seems they're very confident. Seems like the lawyers, hardball, the regents, uh, everyone is confident in what's happening, and they're just getting back on track. This was supposed to be done, or at least reported to be done, initially before the end of October. Like yesterday was the last day in October, but it's like now we're right back on. So I fully expect this deal to be done. Probably before the Penn State game is what all indications are pointing to. You and I were even checking like, are we going to have to do an emergency pod about this? What's happening? But all signs are pointing in the right direction to make Jim Harbaugh the highest paid coach in the Big Ten. And this gives me confidence for a myriad of reasons.
3: Me as well, sir. Obviously, this is great news. And even with a lot of, you know, what have yous and unknowns and new things coming to light that is sure to happen over the coming days and weeks, you can't walk away from after hearing that news, anything other than encouraged that this situation might not be as bad as our rivals are playing it up to be not nearly as bad as some folks in the media have pitched it to be if the legal team feels comfortable even engaging in those conversations. So that is great news yesterday there also were some photos going around and central michigan the university actually did respond to this of pictures of a guy that kind of looks like connor stallions on the sidelines at a central michigan game against michigan state first game of the season uh hypothetically he wore a disguise and uh he he infiltrated their defenses on the sideline like we're officially in the wearing disguises part of this so uh, things have have gotten from (laughs) weird to batshit
1: all of this just goes to the like the theory that connor Stallions was like operating in a silo and just kind of doing crazy things writing in his manifesto like got in on the sidelines fire up chips broke down some cover threes. It's like, what what is happening? How can he just waltz in there? And they said he gave a fake name. If it was him, firstly, I should say that. If it was him, just got a name, went in there. Central Michigan doesn't know who's on their sidelines during a game, which is just a whole other issue. Like, the whole situation is just like, it's comical. I couldn't help but laugh. Yeah, exactly.
3: If that is the case, how does that not get called out? There's only so many guys on the sideline. You would think that. Anybody that's anybody within the program would recognize like, hey, that guy doesn't belong. Who's the guy wearing the Groucho Marx mustache in like obvious Halloween disguise? This thing is is absolutely asinine. I I looked at the photos. I saw some of the the deep Internet work some of our our friends have been doing, trying to compare and contrast. It doesn't look like him. Um, Central Michigan doesn't know yet, which is also wild and speaks to what you were just saying, like. Now what's going on at Central Michigan? Like how lax is security there? Um, it, it's, it's wild, but I, I think it just goes back to our original topic here that if Michigan is engaging in contract discussions, they must not think there's too much uh, serious or, or too much of substance there with, with all this nonsense
1: no i mean now i want to ask you this question like what game non-michigan do you want to go to see if you and i can get on the sidelines just for good seats not for scouting purposes or hell, if they need us to scout we can do it as well seems to be in the air um yeah what game do you guys do you want to catch georgia missouri this weekend get on down there see if we can just get on kirby smart sideline hang out call some plays that's
3: That's not bad. Yeah, I think uh, for scouting purposes and like if we actually learn something, Georgia would be the team. Mm -hmm. So maybe last week, Georgia, Florida, the largest cocktail party. That'd be a fun one. Time tying a couple beers, mosey our way into the sidelines, see if we can steal some signs, have (laughs) ourselves a hell of a time. Maybe maybe bilma has got a ham uh, at the 50 yard line
1: that he's smoking. Yeah, it sounds like a hell of an afternoon. Get to a Big Ten West game. All you need a pull over a pair of sunglasses and a hat, man. So low bar to clear.
3: They're handing out tickets to the sideline. They're like, please, anybody, anybody, <laughs> come, just come watch this game.
1: Yeah, so like, anybody, Central Michigan, Michigan State. We need people in the attendance. Like, please help us.
3: <laughs> you can actually see the tumbleweeds blowing across the field and he- hear the crickets at the timeouts. It's terrible. Oh man, but yeah, uh, we'll we'll keep reporting on this as we know more. But as of right now, if you couldn't tell just from the the tone of voice. And a a lot of the uh, the tone around, you know, on the Internet and how people are talking about it, the situation is improving. So that is a good sign. Um, Also yesterday, the top 25 has officially released the first CFB rankings came out. Michigan comes in at number three, Ohio State at one, Georgia two. Michigan, three, Florida State at four. The ones that are just on the outside looking in would be Washington, five, Oregon, six, Texas, seven. And then the folks that are still in it with one loss kind of there on the peripheral, Alabama, eight, Oklahoma, nine, Ole Miss and Penn state still, still alive um, at 10 and 11, Missouri, technically still alive and Louisville, your favorite sleeper down at 13 Um, LSU is where the two loss teams start at 14, Notre Dame, 15, and so on. Air force was ranked Rutgers was not anything else of note and thoughts on the top 25, sir.
1: No, initial rankings, you know, not too much to like get upset, get mad about. There's a ton of games to play, a whole month of college football to get sorted out. But no, I don't think it's a good spot for Michigan. You have a chance to knock off the number one team in the country. We could have a potential game of the century for the third time in a lifetime. So a lot of football to be played. But, you know, as far as the rankings are concerned, like not going to make two if ands, or buts about it at this point.
3: Yeah, eventually we'll have to actually go back and rank the games of the century and determine which one of these was the real game of the century. But obviously as it's the it's, Michigan
1: wins and then the then the losses. So
3: that is correct. Yeah, <laughs> I would say that's that's how the hierarchy is shaping up. I would agree on that one. But yeah, chance for a, a win against the number one team at the end of the year should be close to a top 10 matchup if Penn State handles their business. Uh, we do have we got Alabama LSU this weekend, so a chance for some folks to fall. Uh, Florida state has looked vulnerable quite a bit. Washington certainly looking more vulnerable. So there's going to be a lot of shaking up. A lot of these teams are still yet to play um, maybe not each other, but play other ranked opponents. So like you said, this is all very initial rankings. This is all going to work itself out. I wouldn't worry just the fact that Michigan's in the top four. We're in a great spot.
1: Yeah. Everything's in front of this team. Like You and I even discussed last week that theoretically Michigan could lose to Purdue or uh, Maryland and nothing changes in the season so a lot of football to be played but we know what the big ones are
3: yeah if we lose to Purdue some things are going to change uh, yeah like I may I might shave my head um and just to start storing my urine in bottles in my room because write a manifesto maybe write a manifesto wear a fake mustache sneak into the sidelines of a North Texas game
2: start
1: a fire at Texas State you know just fun things yeah sort of fire in someone's kitchen
3: you know just good (laughs) good clean fun uh all right moving on um look I'm locked in on the NBA because I'm a sicko the Michigan Wolverines and the Orlando Wolverines more specifically down there uh the team just comprised of nothing but Michiganders I was able to tune in and Mo Wagner a guy that's just beloved I think as far as Michigan basketball players uh, um I kind of thought he was going to be slowly phased out as Franz took over and as as some of these other centers that they have on their roster, Jonathan Isaac and Wendell Carter were moved in, but Mo Wagner has been an important part of this and he's improving actually having a career best year to start only averaging about 10 points a game, four rebounds, but he's shooting the ball really well, 67% from the field. So just good to see that Mo Wagner's still a part of what they're building down there in Orlando and couple him with Franz and Caleb Houston and Jet Howard. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to tune into on any given week to see so many familiar faces
1: what's the ceiling for the Orlando magic this year
3: uh play in for sure play in play off potentially so yeah they're really good i think they're ahead of the pistons currently um i'm not quite as sold on paulo banquero last year's number one pick as some other people i think he's shooting like 15 or 12 percent from three-point range when you go over his yeah his last like Three months of actual gameplay going back to last year hasn't improved this year. Franz Wagner is the best player on that team, and Franz Wagner alone can take you pretty far. Let's see how their guards develop. Um, They're still trying to figure out what they've got there. Markel Fultz being the best guard, but trying to figure out what they have with Anthony Black, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony. But the ceiling is a playoff win and making it to the second round depending on who the matchup was, if they got a favorable matchup, uh, which is which is great for them. And it's just great to see Franz emerge as like a potentially top 25 player in the NBA. We're not yeah. there yet, but that's where we're headed.
1: So they seem like they could be a frisky in-season tournament team. Whenever that mm. happens in Vegas, I feel like Love they that. could be a frisky team where it's like tough to match yeah. up, like in certain games, what they kind of do. The Wagner brothers, I mean, showing they're really good in tournament play in the FIBA tournament. So I think they could cause, uh, cause a little bit of a stir in that, maybe pull an upset or two.
3: I like that. Yeah, they're a good one to look at for the in-season tournament. Definitely got my eyes on the younger teams for that. Guys that are actually going to care about it, go out and compete and play their guys for the entire tournament. So that's a really good call out there. Um, All right, sir. Any other quick hits? Anything else we need to mention before we get into today's exercise, which I'm very excited about?
1: No, man, I think we're ready to get into it.
3: All right. This is a fun one. We came up with this one. We haven't done a superlative in a while. Um, You know, it's been a a little bit more regimented than I like here. We're doing our previews and stuff. We've got Purdue this week should be pushovers. So I thought good opportunity to uh, test our ball knowing skills. I think we've watched probably more college football this year than any year previous leading up to it it's close right i mean it's it's, it's hard to gauge but it's, it's up it's close there, right? we've
1: watched a lot of ball this year i mean just a i mean i think ball. the offseason when you have a team in the national title picture like you're just anticipating yeah. so much and we're just trying to absorb all of it so i mean we're talking putting in 14, 16-hour days on Saturdays. It's been great.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Grinding, sun up yeah. to sundown. We do this for you. Uh, so we've got a Michigan superlative here. It's called How Many Better Players Can You Name Before You Get to a Wolverine? Working title. It's a little long. We'll come up with something better. But essentially, the exercise is this. We're going to go position by position, talk about the best players that we've seen at that position. We're going to try and do a loose ranking. It doesn't have to be. This isn't about the ranking. It's more about players you've seen the, be- the ones that are better until you can get to a Wolverine in that list. So we can start with a, a fairly easy one here. And I, and I think that'll help illustrate what we're doing here. So let's start with the defense and let's start with defensive tackle. How many, fo- how many players can you name that have been better than the first Wolverine that comes to mind? So for me, I only have one. I've got Johnny Newton, Jazar Newton at Illinois, who's probably going to steal an all big 10 spot from somebody. He's got three and a half sacks, a forced fumble, two passes defense, but like on a really bad team. So what he's doing has been extremely impressive. Mason Graham, I've got right below him. If Mason Graham didn't miss a game and a half or wait, he missed two games. Yeah, two Mason games. Graham. Yeah. If Mason Graham doesn't miss two games, I'm probably putting him ahead of it as it stands. I couldn't do it. But I've got it. Johnny Newton, one, Mason Graham, two, Chris Jenkins, just a peg behind him.
1: I have no one in front of Mason Graham. Let's go. (laughs) I like other ones we'll get into and we'll definitely have to parse through it a little, like comb through it a little sharper. But Mason Graham's been incredible and just Mm -hmm. been a game wrecker. Uh, When he came back the first game with the club, just dominating Minnesota and teams like that. He's just been unbelievable to watch as a run stuffer. Uh, with his pass rush, just a complete player. The fact that he's only a true sophomore makes it all that more impressive. Uh, Johnny Newton's been incredible. I also like Makai Wingo from LSU. I like Devondre Sweat from Texas. Uh, also, another names you have in here, uh, Nash Hutch, uh, Hutch Macher, Hut Maker.
3: That's my guy, the guy that wrestled his entire town. That's that my guy, guy is good,
1: Hut from Nebraska, and uh, Michael Hall Jr. from Ohio State. So, um, shout out to uh, all of them that have been outstanding this year, but I I haven't seen a better defensive tackle than Mason Graham. That includes Chris Jenkins.
3: Uh, Yes, uh, that was kind of the spicy take was that Mason Graham has been better than Chris Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that didn't even uh, raise your pulse a little bit. Um, Also, it goes without saying that we are doing our best to remove bias in this exercise. As much as we can as much as we can remove bias. Yeah, exactly. Um, I have no pushback. Mason Graham's been incredible. I had him as the second best, or you could make an argument for the best. If you're just going like P E R for when he's on the field, yeah. I think that's your argument. It's only because he's missed two games that I had Johnny Newton yep. uh, above him, but yeah, also Mason Smith and McKay Wingo, two of them at LSU. I'm uh, not sure why that defense isn't better with two guys in the middle that I really like. Um, but I, I do like them individually Tavondre Sweat, you, met, you mentioned as well. So, um, yeah, that, I would say that that pretty much covers the defensive tackles that I've been really impressed by. There's been some other guys, but none of them are on the level of, of Graham and Jenkins.
1: And we should specify at the top here that we're doing players we have seen with our own eyes. We're not just looking at, we're not just going to box scores. Yeah, this is not
3: box score watching.
1: We're not box score watching. We're not just combing through the stats and picking the best guys. Either one of us has had to have seen them or both of us to really be in this conversation because how can you truly say how good someone is just by looking at raw data? That's why we can put Chris Jenkins in here and other players like that that may not get as, as much credit because the numbers aren't there.
3: A hundred percent. And that's going to be illustrated here as we go to the defensive end position, because the leading defensive end uh, in sacks right now is at James Madison, who I I haven't seen this kid, but Jalen Green has 15 and a half sacks, 21 tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, six passes broken up, an interception and a touchdown. Have you seen Jalen Green at James Madison play?
1: I have. I had to put him on this list. I watched him destroy Marshall, like just in a game, just was all over the field and like I didn't understand how prolific he was until like after the game I went like who is this guy and I looked up his stats and I was like oh oh my god he is him a little undersized like he's only one, but he's about the same weight as Josiah Stewart about 245 just a game wrecker on the edge I mean these numbers through eight games are just blatantly absurd I really haven't seen this much production. And the fact that James Madison is an FBS, we at least have to give him a mention here, anchoring the nation's number one rush defense, only allowing less than 50 rush yards per game.
3: Yeah, it, absolutely insane. So I'll go through uh, my list. Tell me if they're on your list. Mm-hmm. And this, the defensive end's an interesting one. This is quite a long mm-hmm. list of guys that I, I think we're going to rattle off before we get to a Michigan Wolverine. So at number one, I have Leitu Latu from UCLA, uh, eight and a half sacks and interception. He's been incredible. I'm just all aboard that guy. Is he on your list? Yeah, he's top three. Okay. Dallas Turner, Alabama. Is he on your list? Very good. Yep. Okay, Jared Verse, Florida Number State one. defensive end. Yeah, he's incredible. I don't think his stats are over there with some of these other guys, but he's—I got him at three. Um, you're kind of splitting hairs between Latu, Turner, and Verse. They're all yeah. really good. He, so same. Do we have the took, same
1: top three? We do, just in different order. He took over that um, LSU game early in the year. Like he was one of the differences in the second half that helped them pull away. And just like up in those big games, that's when you want to see your stars be stars, and he really stood out to me.
3: Got you. Um, You have Edger and Cooper and Harold Perkins here. Harold Perkins, kind of like a hybrid linebacker, defensive end. I had him at linebacker, but if we're putting him as an edge rusher, it makes sense. Um, Then, yeah, I would have Harold Perkins here as well. Edger and Cooper, AM. I did not have him on my list. Tell me about him.
1: Uh, AM's defense has actually been really good this year. Edger and Cooper has six and a half sacks on the season uh, towards the top of the SEC. He does lead the SEC in tackles for loss with 15. I believe in, like, yards per play. Texas A&M has the best defense in the SEC, which is crazy to think about. Um, but, no, he's been an outstanding playoffs. I was very impressed with him against Alabama, although they lost. Like, he stood out to me in that.
3: Got you. And you have him ahead of two guys that I think we both are going to have on our list, JT Tumaloao and Jonah Ellis from Utah, who has 10 sacks, I think leading uh, the non-James Madison folks in sacks right now. You have Edron Cooper. Braylon Trice and Harold Perkins all ahead of Tuma and Jonah Ellis.
1: Uh no, I, I just threw some names in there. Those aren't ranked. Uh got you. <laughs> I do have I have Jonah Ellis below Edger and Cooper, but above Perkins. But he and Trice are right in there for me. I do have him above Tuma though.
3: Got you. Okay, yeah, at this point, we don't need to rank. Let's name folks that we think are better. So Taylor Upshaw having a great season at Arizona, tuned into a couple of Arizona games. I would say Taylor Upshaw, maybe not a better all around player than the Michigan defensive ends, but having a better season came on Rucker from North Carolina, seven and a half sacks right now. Chris Braswell from Alabama. I think he's over five sacks. Adisa Isaac um, at Penn State, who I think has been better than Chop Robinson. Chop Robinson's missed some time, though, hasn't he?
1: He's missed his time recently, but he's also suffering from kind of the Rashawn Gary Chase Winovich thing where he's getting a lot of attention and then it's allowing Isaac to open up like more one on ones. So I, I still think Robinson's better. It's just like he's not going to have the stats.
3: Yeah. Robinson's for sure. The guy you want at the next level too. I agree. Just talking about what I've seen this season. Um, and then after the Penn state guys, that's when I think we're getting into the Michigan guys discussion. I've got it since for this exercise, we kind of had to rank it. I've got it, Harold Stewart and then more kind of close, but that's, I think Harold, the numbers aren't quite as good, but just really well-rounded player. I think overall has had the best season. How do you see it? And is this about the right place for, for Michigan players here?
1: I um I would have him a little bit higher. I would probably have okay. Harold uh, just below Jonah Ellis, to be honest. Like uh, you're not going to have numbers because the way they're playing and like a deployment kind of philosophy. But like I saw it last year to know they're better than Taylor Upshaw. I j- saw it yeah. over and over again, which proved it. Also, Upshaw, one of Deion Sanders' biggest misses was forcing him out of Colorado. Like you know, insane. Think that he could have benefited from having an edge like Upshaw. So that one weird, but. No, I think Harold's better than Upshaw, so I would have him right up in there. You know, probably if you're ranking names, there's guys we're missing. I think these guys are somewhere in like, they're outside of the top 10, but it's like 15 to 20 range. I think they'd fall.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we need to like clarify the exercise. Is it best season you've seen or is it best talent? And if you're taking it in like what we've seen before, you're absolutely right. We Mm -hmm. know that Jalen Harrell is better than Taylor Upshaw. Upshaw is just the guy in Arizona. So he's going to get way more opportunities. But yeah, I would say of all the position groups, this is the furthest I had to go down before I was like, all right, time to throw a Wolverine in there.
1: I wish we had a stat like the NBA does of per hundred possessions because like how Taylor Upshaw's probably played a full game every game of the season almost, and Michigan players still haven't. Let alone was it during the Michigan State game, no defensive tackle had played over thirty-five snaps in a game. <laughs> like, right. so I, I wish we had a metric like that to truly quantify the impact. But just on like pure eye test, I think we have them in the right spot.
3: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're we're close there and you're absolutely right. Like PFF is supposed to be that how you're gauging the PER but we we know that that's No,
1: that's just rot- it's stuff. rotten tomatoes for non ball watchers.
3: i love it all right sir let's move to corner this uh this is an exciting conversation didn't have to go too deep down the list till we found a wolverine but there's been some awesome cornerbacks this year we are both in agreement with our number one cornerback that is cooper DeGene at iowa don't think there's too much of an argument otherwise he is a stud a star he's going to be awesome at the next level fun to watch iowa legend they got jobbed uh, what was that? That was last weekend. Two weeks ago, like Minnesota. Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. They they got absolutely jobbed, but Dejean's the man.
1: Dejean's the man. He's so good as a punt returner, so good in all facets of the game. Like you thought when they had Riley Moss a few years ago, it's like, well, they're going to have a drop off. And it's like, oh, no, Phil Parker can develop DBs as well as any coach in the country. And he's like, yeah, I got Cooper Dejean in the backyard. Let's bring him in here and he's going to be an All American. Like honestly, like if you were just talking value to a team, like points added, he has to be in the conversation. If that team was undefeated, he might be up for the Heisman.
3: I was gonna say, yeah, like there'd be a Heisman talk if mm-hmm. they didn't have two losses, a hundred percent. Like he is the team's MVP. He is like the most important player to their team in the Big Ten. Like they could not lose him and expect to have no. any semblance of a team. He's awesome. Um, so yeah, clear number one. Then we had some disagreement. I have Travis Hunter from Colorado at two. Um, and then we both agree Kool Aid McKinstry should be top three as well from Alabama. So we both have Kool Aid in the top two. Who's um, your two? your other two three that you have
1: kool-aid is two for me like pretty pretty firmly and then on like the sample is small but like i would still have will johnson at three like i just i haven't seen any reason to lower him
3: right yeah so i had will johnson below mikey but once again we kind of need to define the exercise because mikey's having a better season he's having a better season yeah Will Johnson is the better player, um, and there's no denying that. So, yeah, I would agree. Um, but if we hadn't watched last year and knew who Will Johnson was and you just watched this year's tape, you'd think Mikey That's a is still – is the better cornerback. So I had Mikey ahead of Will for this exercise, but yeah. clearly I, I'm not a I'm not an idiot. I get that Will Johnson is
1: <laughs> no. That's it, a is, no, that's a great argument to be honest. Like if I just removed all of what I've seen from last year to this year, it's like I could still say he was good, but I would probably feel the same about him that I probably do like Josh Wallace. You know, just like kind of unproven. You know, haven't seen it all put together. And with Mikey's two pick sixes and his third, pick, I mean, should have had a third against East Carolina if the turf monster didn't get him. It's like. I think he firmly has to be in that discussion, has the argument to be over Will.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I've got it. Cooper DeGene, Travis Hunter, Kool-Aid McKinstry, Mikey. And then I threw Tykey Smith from Georgia in there. Yep. And then Will Johnson is how I did it. Uh, will Johnson could be and will be better than all these guys as a pro. That wasn't necessarily the exercise. So, um, but yeah, those, those are the guys that I've had my eye on. Um, I was surprised with how low I had Kalen King from Penn State.
1: Yeah, Kalen King. I haven't seen it this year. He's been not even the, he's probably the third best player in their secondary this season, just from what I've seen. Um, he's definitely behind the safety. He's definitely behind Johnny Dixon. I think Johnny Dixon's just been a better corner. Um, now I'm, I'm lower on Travis Hunter than you are as well. I should have mentioned that at the top, just some of the performances, like you, we can talk about snap counts and reps and usage, but like the Stanford game and just like, the arms flailing as the ball is grabbed around his head was not a good lasting image, but in terms of Kalen King, it's a guy with that you you're told he's good, so you assume he is. But the eye test has not been there this season as it was last season.
3: Yeah, and I would say the same for Denzel Burke at Ohio State. I like Nosen, the younger cornerback, more than Burke as of right yeah. now.
1: So Yeah, I like uh, I, I like more of Ohio State's defense than I thought I would this year, to be honest. Yeah, there was a couple guys that showed up for sure. Um, all right, let's keep it moving here. Let's go
3: to the safeties. Um, oh, wait, my Travis Hunter defense. Uh, yeah, it's the snap count. That That is my defense of the Travis Hunter thing. Like in the first halves of these games, he is locked in. But then he's getting like targeted 26 times on offense and he also has to go out and play like 70 snaps on defense so you see him getting progressively worse as the game goes along on on um in the secondary so yeah i would just make him a cornerback that is where and maybe as a punt returner, kick returner and then use him like jabril peppers maybe as a gadget on offense but he is gassed in the second half of these games but insanely talented and is going to be a stud in the nfl
1: no. You can you can bet on the talent, which I, I think is which I think is a safe bet. But it's like, you know, maybe a little better coaching there, you know, some certain things here and there. He's not you know, he is a human being coming off a lacerated liver, so
3: Maybe take it easy on the lad. Maybe not 200 <laughs> snaps coming off the lacerated liver. Ridiculous. Uh, let's move to safety here. This is going to be an interesting one. I'm wondering where you got it. I know you're. It's going to be very difficult for you to remove your Rod Moore bias, but he has not had the season that we expected. Obviously, there were some injuries, and then there was getting his feet wet, and you know, kind of getting back into the swing of things. But if you just take what you know about Rod Moore, you know how good he is. I had several safeties ahead of him though. So how many safeties did you list before you got to Rodmore?
1: I had, man, cause Keon, if you're just looking at this season, uh, Keon Sabs has been a better safety just from yeah, it, the reps and, every, and everything else we've seen. If you just remove last season as well, like Rodmore's getting there and he's picking it up fast. Now I had a few ahead of him. I had, I like James Williams from Miami. I had Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. I mean, it's hard to parse like how much is his impact, but I think Newbin has been really good. And Michigan made a concerted effort in that game to work around what he was doing. And uh, I also like Xavier Watts from Notre Dame. Like I believe he's one of the nation's leader in interceptions this season. So he's been just jumping off the page a bunch of times. And then I think we get into like the Rod Moore discussion.
3: Yeah. So I had Xavier Watts as my number one that I've watched. He's incredible. I had Cameron Kitchens from Miami, which is weird. I had the other guy there who I think has more interceptions, but they've got a really talented duo back there. Tyler Newbin from Minnesota. I think we both had Um, Andre Sam for LSU. Just another one where I like all the talent on LSU, but like why doesn't this work together? Uh, Makes no sense to me. So yeah, I'd be fine with moving Rod more ahead of Andre Sam, just knowing what we know about him. But like, yeah, Makari Page and Keon Sab probably have had better seasons
1: than Rodmore
3: right now. Yeah. So, oh yeah, he missed this what,
1: w- almost six games. Like, I mean,
3: yeah. So, if we were being honest with ourselves here, there were there should probably be a larger list of safeties. But we know what we have back there. We know how talented they are. They haven't been tested a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Makari Page is going to be a guy that just has such a solid season with like no stats, but like no it's, blemishes either. It's the
1: number one pass defense in the country
3: exactly like, so they need to be up there yeah we, we yeah, need to have get, these guys up here
1: you don't get there without having the talent and I said six games with Rod Moore because it was the first three games completely and then like if you add up the other halves it's like okay Rod Moore's missed so much time and the fact that he's finally getting his feet underneath him he spoke publicly about this after the Michigan State game just like didn't feel myself you know I had to get to get some good reps in learn this and that and just get my footing underneath me like he said he missed like from like the second week of fall camp all the way up until Rutgers, basically. And it's like, yeah, it's going to take some time to get back into form, but Michigan's not going to beat like the, like teams down the stretch without Rod Moore being who he is.
3: hundred percent with you there. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish the defense, move over to the offense, and we will preview Purdue. We'll be back right after this.
0: We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void rope prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
3: All right, we are back. We are righteous men. College football is very good. We are still on the defense here. We're going to do linebackers. The exercise is How many better players can you name in the 2023 season before you get to a Wolverine? We are on the linebacker one, this one right up there with defensive end where there was quite a few that I could name before I came to a Wolverine. I think there's also going to be a little bit debate about which Wolverine we're naming. Um, I, I think you and I might be in a disagreement here, but at number one, I had Aaron Casey from Indiana. Yeah, I freaking welcome. Love, welcome. I, love, I love Aaron Casey. I was there game one because they were one of the early games and we were. I can re-welcome like you to the island. It's not, you know, sorry for the hospitality. I never left the island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah here the whole time I'm, I'm with you in the trenches uh yeah i like aaron casey man 69 tackles three and a half sacks on a bad team like he's he's legit
1: he is so good like he is all over the place he's covering up a lot of sins for them this was really a big 10 heavy exercise for me which is unsurprising yeah. because the big 10 is i believe That's the top watched, three yeah. scoring defenses in the country of michigan penn state ohio state so uh other names i had up here with aaron casey would include abdul carter and uh, what's his name? Jay Higgins from Iowa, who has a hundred and one tackles on the season through Oof. eight games. <laughs> like,
3: I don't think anyone on Michigan's going to even get to hundred and one.
1: No, the the second, season's end. M- the second most in the Big Ten is seventy-eight. <laughs> like that's how, like, he is absurdly prolific. I mean, it's again a Phil Parker defense. So Jay Higgins, Abdul Carter, and uh, Aaron Casey were like the top three for me, pretty definitively.
3: God, the bones of Jay Higgins have to be <laughs> sore and bruised up at this point. 101 tackles. My goodness. Insane. Um, that is insane. I had Barrett Carter at Clemson, um, not in any way sold on Clemson. Their defense yeah. is better than their offense and Barrett Carter. Um, one of those guys that they told me was good. And then I'm watching and I was like, okay, I, I guess, um, He's going to be drafted. Uh, Harold Perkins, we already mentioned as yeah. defensive end, kind of lines up at little Josh Uche to him. Um, but if he, if we were talking linebackers, he's been pretty explosive. Tommy Eichenberg um, at Ohio State, he's he's pretty solid. I would he's having a better season than anyone at Michigan. I thought no he one was, has, the, well, the linebackers playing, aren't getting. Yeah, he's
1: playing full games. He's not getting the rotation. Exactly. I thought he was better last year, actually, which is funny to me. But like at all the Ohio State games this year, I thought Steel Chambers has been a little bit better. But no, um, still, still, I mean, still a serviceable linebacker. I just, I'm so happy I'm going to be in attendance for Michigan Ohio State this year, and I don't have to listen to Gus Johnson call him Two Hand Tommy again for the love of God.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was pretty over that quickly into that game. I'm I agree. Sorry, Tommy with you there. Two Hands.
1: It's like Donovan Edwards has one limb. All right. <laughs>
3: uh yeah and i've only watched uh you know well, i guess now i've seen three three ohio state games and and has been fine um i just wanted to mention him there deba williams south carolina hunter Holler from wisconsin and then i had junior colson so i had him around like the eighth best linebacker he's a top 10 linebacker yeah something like that and I thought maybe you were going to argue Barrett because he's had the more prolific season
1: again. Yeah. Barrett's Barrett's mistakes have been a little more state. I've stood out a little bit more, you know, like some tackles, things here and there. Junior Colson's had some mistakes with run fits. But those don't really show up that much, especially on first viewing, but he's just been solid. I think we're going to see the best version of junior Colson down the stretch. So like yeah. you could argue that the prolific nature and this and that, like Barrett has been really good. I think he's been a, Top 25, top 20 linebacker in the country this year. I think he's been excellent. But Junior Colson, I think, is going to have a monster back half of the year. Had his first double-digit tackle game against Michigan State. Still in limited time. But it's like in these big games, he's just like, okay, I'm going to take over. and I'm going to have an impact. And I think you're going to see that down the stretch.
3: Yeah, I fully agree that his best football is in front of him. The stats aren't going to wow you, but that's just – because the, the defense has been too good up front and they haven't needed him. So it's a good problem to have um, junior Colson, definitely a top 10 linebacker. Um, I think uh, maybe Ernest Hausman. I was surprised that
1: he, he hasn't had a bigger season it's just, again, man. He's been good, but it's just like, it's hard to extrapolate what the impact is, how that compares to other people. Cause there could be some people with the same sample size. that has been a little bit better, but he's been doing his job very well. I think he's, I mean, It's a weird argument, but it's like, if we want to argue third best true linebacker in the country, I mean, he's right at the tip of the tongue. Um, Another linebacker I like a lot from the conference, I got to watch for the first time this weekend actually, is Bryce Gallagher from Northwestern. He was Mm. excellent against uh, Maryland, one of the top tacklers in the conference as well. And it's like, they're always just turning out these like, Irish named linebackers there. they had Patty something for several years there. Now it's Gallagher yep. and it's like, it just keeps trending, but it's like, I don't know what's going on there, but they always turn out at least one or two good linebackers.
3: Can't wait for McManus to lead the nation in tackles next year. I know, really I know. We, we already
1: have the McGregor covered for him.
3: Yeah, we're good there. <laughs> uh All right, sir. Let's move over to the offense. Let's start with the offensive line. This is going to be a fun one. How many offensive linemen can you name? Better than the first Wolverine that comes to mind. This should not be a long
1: list. This is not a long list at all. Um, you and I are both in an interesting camp, and I think t- uh, I heard Todd McShay speaking about this about Olu Fashionow from Penn State. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. Like, not there. Not from the not from the advertising and like what the reputation I've heard. I've seen two offensive linemen better than Zach Center this year. It is uh, t- left tackle Joe Alt from Notre Dame, who I think has just been outstanding. And uh, this might be a little surprising; he might win the Remington. Is Zach Frazier the center from WVU? He is a force in MDA gaps like there. He is the reason that team has been successful. WVU's roster before the year was compared to like a Mountain West roster. And they are competitive in the Big 12 and making some noise this year because of what they're doing on both lines of scrimmage and mainly behind what Zach Frazier's doing at center.
3: I love that. I have not watched West Virginia, so he did not make my list. I had Joe Alt uh, above Zinter. That was the one that I had there. Then I had Zinter at two, but I have Cooper Beebe right there from Kansas State. Uh, Only FBS guard who's top five in pass blocking and run blocking grades. They've like built their culture around him and the offensive line there. Um, That's just kind of how they do things in Kansas State. So he would be another one. But then I've got Zinter. And then I think it's like how far behind Zinter is Keegan? You know, yep. is there anybody in between Zinter and Keegan? Like you're really splitting hairs there. And as much as like I do watch the offensive line, I'm not watching it like I watch a Michigan offensive line yeah. where I'm going back and I'm grading things and I'm seeing the movement and stuff. You're just kind of watching it that first time through and getting your thirty thousand foot view of yeah. that offensive line.
1: I like I like Nugent as the second best lineman on this team this year so far. Ooh, I like yeah. that. I like I like Nugent from what I've seen. Like, I mean, I, a lot of, I mean, they've seen their warts, and we still haven't seen the best football that this team's going to do. But what I really like about the, any offensive lineman on Michigan is that you'll see a mistake one week, and then you see it corrected the next week, whether that be pass pro, whether that be some run things. Like, they're really good at doing that. Uh, very, very low on penalties as well, which I love.
3: I like it. I had Nugent just a hair below Keegan. I'm not gonna argue or push back too much against that. Other names that I've seen that I do like Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon. He's Hell a tackle of a name. out there. A strong name <laughs> for a tackle. Uh JC Latham from Alabama and Olufashinu. I see what you're talking about from like a physical perspective, but yeah, we we've already covered that we're just not quite there yet. And you're you're just buying too much into the physical profile and not into what you've actually seen on tape.
1: Exactly. Like he's still good. He's a top 10 lineman. Like, let's not, you know, we're not saying oh, yeah. he's not, but it's like, he was billed as like the second coming, like a pen, Sewell entering the season. And every game I've watched, I'm like, he's a good left tackle, but it's like, I've seen better in several different games here. So no, it'd be interesting to watch the matchup with, um, Olu now against Michigan's rotation of edges, namely like Josiah Stewart, because he struggled with some speed rushers in that Ohio state game.
3: Yeah. If you want a, a fun little exercise, just go pull the Panay Sewell tape and pull the fashion oh, new tape. And it's like, yeah. it's like a different sport. Like the Sewell tape was unreal. Like so fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, all right. So where do you want to go next? Which position group here? We could uh, save quarterbacks for last or we could do
1: it now because it's easy. Let's let's save quarterbacks for the main event. Let I mean, there's a lot of good ones here. Let's um, let's oh, we can let's go tight end and wide receiver. All right, let's do it. You want to start us off? Tight end. I I think the number one is clearly going to be Brock Bowers. Like it's he's become um, uh, to quote McShay again, he's come a long way as a blocker this year, and that was one of my biggest criticisms the last two years was like I saw it as a receiving threat, but it's like I never saw him on the line this year. He was putting it all together before his perhaps season-ending injury could return for the playoff. So I think he's number one. I think number two is Colston Loveland, and I think it's with a bullet.
3: I didn't really think there was going to be much of an argument here. I don't know if you'd argue above Loveland. I think there's a better argument for Loveland ahead of Bowers than there is for anybody else ahead of Loveland at two. And Loveland's probably going to pass Bowers just because he's out. They do expect him to return for like their SEC championship slash title game uh, national yeah. title run. So he'll be back. We'll get to see him again. He's an absolute beast, but yeah, it's Bowers Loveland gap. Um, and then maybe like Jatavian Sanders from Texas who have like Dalen Holker from Colorado state, who I think is the leading, uh, leading the nation as far as tight ends and receiving yards and touchdowns, but it's at Colorado state. Yeah. Um, there's been some good ones too. I, the, the better question might be how far down the list do you have to go before you get to Barner?
1: He stopped in. He's top 10. It's, I say that pretty at. confidently after what we saw against Michigan State. It's one of the biggest mitch, mismatch advantages the Wolverines are going to have down the stretch is when you have those two out on the field at the same time with both running backs like Roman Wilson. Like That's just an ultimate pick your poison.
3: Yeah. Yeah. We've already discussed this and I think we discussed it in the, or I don't know, was it in the loss pod? But regardless, Colston Loveland is on pace for just a massive year, not too far off of our predictions, but we predicted a massive year. I mean, he's on pace for something like six, seven touchdowns and 800 yards receiving. Like that is a big, big year for a tight end. So uh, he belongs up here at the top and fully agree. AJ Barner's a top 10 talent as well. I'm not exactly sure how I would rank that out, but Maybe an exercise for another podcast. Uh, you said you wanted to move to wide receivers next. Spencer. Yeah, let's do receivers. All right. So there's pretty clearly a top two, and then um, I'm willing to entertain some argument, but I've got a clear top two of Marvin Harrison, Keon Coleman. Do you agree? Uh, oh,
1: man. So
3: clearly not. Clearly so not. <laughs> no,
1: number one, yes. I, I'm not. I'm not going to push back on Marvin Harrison Jr., I think Keon Coleman is in my. I think I have neighbors, Malik Neighbors from LSU, Ooh. over Keon Coleman at two. I think um, I like Neighbors and Brian Thomas there, but in terms of just what I've seen and in, uh, certain instances, like I think there's an argument for Keon Coleman. I don't think you're wrong. I would have Neighbors above him.
3: I don't hate it. Neighbors I had at four. Um, There's a there's a group of guys in here that I like a lot. I had Coleman, too, just because, like, what a physical specimen and like, what is that guy going to be in the NFL? And doesn't matter if the ball isn't thrown that well. He's going to go contort his body and come down with it. Um, but I like neighbors a lot and there's that LSU receiver profile that certainly these guys have been hitting of late and they're putting up stupid numbers both him and Brian Thomas so I don't hate it um, I have those guys on my list ahead of Roman Wilson as well everyone that we've mentioned I also have Roma Dunze from Washington yes. on my list yeah. a- ahead of Roman Wilson um, I like that you have Elik Manor. From Stanford here. He was the dude that just went nuts against Colorado in that one game where Travis Hunter was uh basically just missing a leg by the end of it and out there bandaged like, up.
1: You gotta have him on here. I mean, it's the 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 wide receiver performance of the year, and it's against one of the best cornerback talents in the country.
3: Yeah. Oh, now he's one of the best cornerback talents. Okay, I see. When we get to your guy on offense, <laughs> I said but, yeah. talents. I said talents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, um, yeah,
3: no, no, it's fair. Andy, like he is a beast physically. a yeah, Manner, He's a big Stanford. guy. <laughs> he's like an absolute stud and probably would be better suited on a, a better team with a better quarterback. Um, after that, Emeka Abuka. Yeah, again, a little bit of last year bleeding into this one, but it, Abuka really he,
1: talented. Yeah, he was good until he got hurt this year. That was what bothered him. Uh, back to my Keon Coleman point, the one thing I wanted to bring up about Coleman is – he occasionally just has these no-show games that don't really get covered in the middle of the conference. Like I I watched their Boston college game, uh, no catches one rushing attempt was just flat out bad against Virginia tech, three catches for 22 yards, no touchdowns, just can sometimes just go absent against Duke two for 54. That was it. So that was why I had the differentiator with he and neighbors, maybe, I'm getting too caught up in some of the production. Like maybe he's drawing too many double teams, but like with neighbors and Thomas there, I feel like they're both always kind of in sync. But in this conversation that we just brought up, Ibuka, we talked about Coleman and Dunze, everybody, where does Roman Wilson? Because, like, how do you extrapolate a half? Like he's only playing one half, but like when he's out there at times, it feels like he takes over in a past second offense.
3: Yeah, so I only had two other names, and then I think it's Roman Wilson's time. I had Johnny Wilson, Florida State, Luther Bolden, Missouri – Um, And then I think him and Xavier Worthy are right there just outside of the top 10 that I've seen. And to be fair, this is a loaded wide receiver class, like absolutely loaded. The fact that Roman Wilson isn't higher, but you touched on it there. Just like he's only coming in and getting like one reception. It's a touchdown. And then he's going and sitting out for the rest of the day because we don't need him. So it's really hard to gauge. It's hard to knock him, but it's also hard to move him ahead of these other guys like Luther Bolden, who's out there just dogging it week in and week out and leading his team to important victories where they need him in the fourth quarter. So I just tried to balance it. As far as the talent, this does seem about right. Roman Wilson, insanely talented. I think, man, I don't want to choose Xavier Worthy over Roman Wilson for reasons, uh, as you can imagine. So let's not do that. (laughs) Um, But I think think they're right there as far as just like talented, extremely, extremely
1: versatile uh, six-foot wide receivers. Wilson is the one that could skyrocket up this list. If he if he sure. has like a, a a 150 performance against Penn State or Ohio State, he's going to fly up the list. Like he's on here now out of respect for the talent and the touchdown production. I mean, there's something to be said about just like in limited time, you're still putting up that volume of touchdowns. So maybe we could have him a touch too low, but I think he could be awesome. the ultimate riser here towards the end of the year. Yeah, because there's a
3: bunch of really good ones we didn't mention here, like Jalen Polk from Washington, yeah. Jalen Royals from Utah State, putting up massive numbers like there's some guys out there that are having monster seasons. So it, it, this is a tough one to rank. And you're absolutely right. We're going to leave ourselves a grace period to, to move him back up if he has that big game against Penn State. Um, but it, we need to calibrate like we need a calibration game against a real opponent. That'll That'll help with a lot of this.
1: Yeah, no, but I think we have him in the right spot for now. And it's like, again, we could look foolish for having him too low, which I'm fine with. I'd always be, I love to be too low first.
3: A hundred percent, man. I uh, don't think we're going to have this guy too low. Let's move over to the running backs. Similar conversation. How do you gauge? production this season when we haven't needed any of our starters in the fourth quarter uh, versus some of these other guys who are playing deep into the games Um, trying again to remove our bias from what we saw last year but I have nobody ahead of Blake Corum as the best running back I've seen this year
1: it's impossible to remove the impact on what we've seen, especially from the last two years combined. Like, Quorum is just doing so much with so little. Like, the rushing touchdown is evident of that. Those numbers are still really, really high. And we're going to need him down the stretch. He's going to have a big one. Like, the 150, the 25 carry performance is coming. He's been eating him up and keeping him healthy. Just like, even without the numbers backing him up this season, I'm confident that he's the number one running back in the country
3: exactly like not only do i know what i'm seeing um i can't remove what i've seen in the past Mm -hmm. and how important he is to the team the small jump cuts the ability to do these subtle little change of directions and turn what would be a two-yard loss into an eight-yard gain It's hard to quantify, but he's the best in the country. Some other extremely talented backs and a really good running back here. Maybe not a really good running back here, a good running back here, I would say. Uh, Jonathan Brooks from Texas at 923 yards rushing and seven touchdowns. He's having a big season. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, the guy that I think was projected to lead the nation in rushing, Um, not quite there, but having a big season. Jawar Jordan, a guy we both like Yes, Louisville. Louisville. Uh, I I think we share him. You have him in one fantasy league. I have him in the other. Um, yeah. injured right now, but when he's good, that guy, ooh, when he's right, he's really good. Ollie Gordon at Oklahoma <sighs>
1: State just picked Brother. him up in fantasy. Brother, I mean, uh again, two weeks ago, he went uh for 282 on 29 carries and averaged 9.7 a carry. Last week on 25 carries, he went for 271, averaged 10.8 a carry. Like and coming Wires. into Oklahoma against that front where they're at, like, I would be terrified of Ollie Gordon right now.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely hot right now, like, hitting on all cylinders, extremely exciting, putting up Barry Sanders numbers, so definitely one. <laughs> I love, like, the, the fantasy thing has, like, obviously gives us another reason to watch football, but gives us a reason to dive deep
1: into, like, Marshall games. Like, got to check out this yeah. Texas State game. Ishmael Dude. Mahdi's playing. Yeah, Ishmael Mahdi, I believe, is uh the nation's leader in all purpose yards a game, putting up over a buck seventy a game. Uh Rashin Ali, running back from Marshall, is one of one of perhaps the most valuable player in all of college football to their specific team. Like with him injured and banged up, they've just been a completely different team recently. So he's electric when he's healthy. Um Bucky Irving from Oregon. You and I've watched a lot of Oregon this year. Mm -hmm. I have been one of the fantasy leagues and he is just like a jitterbug electric type of player in the backfield.
3: Yep. Uh, Ray Davis from Kentucky, Audric uh, Steamy from, or uh, yeah, I think I said that right from Notre Dame. He's having a big year as well. Braylon Allen, Wisconsin, having a good yep. year. Ashton Jonte from Boise state having a really consistent, great year. So a lot of good backs, all of them fighting for second behind Coram. Totally um, agree with that.
1: Exactly. Uh, one back I haven't watched. But uh, I just want to uh, alert the listeners to a game this weekend. It's James Madison's number one rushing defense with Jalen Green on the edge against Georgia State. Uh, they're running back Marcus Carroll is second in the country in rushing with 1,060 yards already and 12 touchdowns. A fascinating, just like a movable object, so unstoppable force just colliding. So be sure to check that out because Carroll is electric.
3: There's some, uh, there's some really fun games when you delve down with the sickos, when you're in the slums like us, and you're just like time for James Madison, Georgia state,
1: probably going to be awesome. It's going to be great. I can't wait for it. So, you know, we're going to get into more of the games this weekend, but there's a fun slate ahead.
3: Yes, sir. All right. Let's finish with quarterbacks. An interesting discussion is about to happen right here because you and I, like we said many times here, we're going to try and remove our bias, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. How do you have the quarterbacks ranked currently?
1: It is. Oh man. Um, uh, there's an argument for like three or four or five or six different combinations. And I don't know if I could tell you you're wrong in several of them. I don't know if anyone's playing the quarterback position better this season than JJ McCarthy, especially in the last like five games. Um, But I just can't help but think like, what would that USC team be without Caleb Williams? Because it looks so bad and he has to do, he has to put a lot on his shoulders. So, like, I would still have Caleb Williams one, and I would have McCarthy two, Drake May four, uh, Phoenix three.
3: I like it. I'm not far off. I thought maybe there'd be some drama here. I still have Caleb Williams, number one. The guy won the Heisman last year. He's putting up monster numbers. His team is not very good outside of him and his receivers. They have just fundamental flaws in team building philosophy that we can get into on another podcast, but I don't trust the offensive line. I don't trust the way that they get him in a rhythm. I did a similar mental exercise when I was trying to rank this. I was like, what would Caleb Williams look like on the Wolverines? And I was like, yeah, that'd probably be pretty good. Uh, that, would st- that would still look really good So I've got Caleb Williams one J.G. McCarthy two, the gap has closed That is certainly narrowed wow. uh, Where we were saying it was tiered um, I have McCarthy and Drake May In their own tier, or I mean I guess two, three kind of interchangeable There, I still like Drake May Despite the North Carolina loss Really talented guy, um, but I've Got those three as the top three And then I've got Jaden Daniels, LSU Bo Nick's Oregon, and Michael Penix Washington, uh, can't get the the Arizona state game out of my mind for Pennix sure. um, and uh, Bo Nix like doesn't wow you, doesn't go deep down the field, but he's his completion percentage is above JJ's like might set a record for completion percentage in a power for a power five conference um, and Jaden Daniels, LSU getting hot at the right time, putting up big numbers. I think his best balls ahead of him. Uh, we're going to talk the, the LSU Bama game this weekend. I've got my eye on him, been impressed with him just as that typical like college quarterback can can run can throw but electric got to keep your eye on him so uh, similar list to you though
1: yeah yeah he's put up a, a lot of good numbers the florida state game early on is what really knocks daniel's down for me like against like that elite competition like i mean you can't really point out the other ones cuz the other losses are close like the close win over missouri like high scoring shootout same thing with Ole miss high scoring shootout there so all the numbers back it up this week against alabama I think is going to tell you a little bit more about where he should be ranked. Like with the Kool-Aid McKinstry matchup outside with neighbors and Thomas. Like, I think there's going to be a lot to learn, but he's kind of in that, that Roman Wilson category for me where it's like, he could be a big riser late. Everybody else feels pretty in place, but he could rise.
3: I'm with you, man. I'm with you on that one. He's the guy I've got my eye on and a dark horse Heisman candidate if LSU goes on a big run here towards the end of the season. But this was a fun exercise, man. I, I like this. We, we may have to uh, we have to make this a recurring bit here. Let us know what you think about this. If there's anybody we missed, anybody you've been watching in any particular category that you think should have been discussed mm-hmm. here. Uh, happy to hear about that um let's get into some college football schedule and likely upsets and our upset picks of the week are brought to you by manscaped every man knows how scary it can get when going for a close shave below the belt that's why i trust manscaped for all my sensitive areas their newest package contains the lawnmower 5.0 ultra their fifth generation trimmer features two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads a standard for one, for taking a little off the top and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. It also has a dual LED spotlight to provide contrast on multiple skin tones, three length setting combs, and perhaps best of all, it's waterproof. Also included is a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering and or weird looks in the airport. Join the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for all of their grooming needs and use the promo code BLOCK. M20 to get free shipping and 20% off your order. Head to manscaped.com and use that promo code BLOCKM20 at checkout for 20% off your entire order. All right, sir. Week 10 is upon us. We are in November. Real football finally around the corner for Michigan. But first, we have the dispatch of Purdue. Before we get to them, let's look around college football at some of the other, perhaps more entertaining games this week. Try and parse out some upsets.
1: There's so many to run through here. Like, there's a lot of good just matchups. Like, I'm so excited to have the full just slate again. Last week, we both took a little time away but it was uh, wasn't too wasn't a great slate of games anyway. This week we are back first week of rankings. I feel like some upsets are brewing. A few games I want to keep my eye on this week are Kansas State at Texas. Kansas State's white hot. Texas still without Quinn Ewers. Uh, Missouri at Georgia. Oklahoma Oklahoma State. The last iteration of Bedlam in the Big Twelve. Uh, Texas A&M at Old Miss. Penn State at Maryland. Notre Dame at Clemson. I mean the list goes on and on. So what games? are standing out to you to watch and what games are standing out to you to be on upset alert.
3: Yeah, you mentioned a lot of the ones uh, that we've got our eye on. I know you and I are all over UCLA at Arizona because we're in on the Jed Fish train. We were in on that one early, so I'll have uh, some secondary eyes on that Pac-12 after dark. That'll be a fun one. Uh, Washington at USC, I've been all in on the Pac-12 this year. I'm watching all those games. Um, I think USC's already bowed out, but they could still take Washington out this week. So I've got that as an upset to watch but go ahead and lock me in my upset picks LSU at Bama Bama favored by three. And I get all the reasons why this is a Nick Saban team that is just chugging along despite not looking as great at times, but, this Alabama team is bottom three in the country in sack yards allowed. Jalen Mill Road cannot get an intermediate pass game going. They struggle to get a rhythm going on offense. This LSU defense has struggled. We mentioned the old Miss game that was alarming. But I buy the talent, and I buy them improving here down this stretch run. Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, I like the weapons on LSU. I think LSU gets it done. Give me LSU at Bama for my first upset.
1: I like it. You made some really good points there. Like I understand why you're going there and doing certain things. I I can't get there with LSU, especially in the, they beat him last year. I don't know what Saban's record is in back-to-back years after losing to a conference opponent. I think it's pretty good since he's more likely to reach the playoff than win less than 11 games. So I'm going to roll with Bama in this one. I like the defense, like what they're going to bring after Jaden Daniels, especially with a, was it Dallas Turner on the edge? Like, like what he's going to bring to this game, uh, my first upset pick of the week. I touched on it a little bit. I am taking all the Oklahoma State stock, led by Bowman. Don't listen to the media and their Ollie Gordon, you know, agenda. It's Allen Bowman season. They're winning in bedlam. Uh, it's at in Stillwater. Oklahoma has just been kind of sputtering post beating Texas in a game they really felt like they should have lost. So if not like what I've seen from them back to back weeks, just coming off the loss to Kansas with a backup quarterback. Give me the pokes in Stillwater.
3: I like that one. I'll go with you on that one. Won't be one of my picks, but I just haven't seen anything about Oklahoma that suggests it's sustainable and there's no reason to believe in it. I mean, Venable's still kind of figuring out what that team's going to be. So I'm with you on that one, Um, but let me get a little bit more creative here and let's go Notre Dame at Clemson. Clemson has fallen off of a table. So this uh, this is getting a little bit dicey here. This is maybe some of my... Dabo Swinney magic of yesteryear bleeding over into into 2023 Notre Dame's schedule is extremely difficult Clemson remains one of the top five hardest places to play this game is going to be loud it's going to be a difficult environment I haven't seen anything outside of or from the Notre Dame offense that suggests that they can get a crazy vertical passing game going the early Sam Hartman stuff not against great passing defenses when they've gone up against better defenses they've struggled they've even struggled to get audric estime involved and i think he's going to struggle to run in this game they're going to have to move it vertically down the field i think clemson has just enough on defense low scoring game clemson with the upset uh, and dabo sweeney will save his season in quotations
1: clemson is the definition of mediocre because they always oh, yeah. play to the level of their competition That's the thing with them. Like, a great team, they played Florida State to the wire, probably had a chance to win that game. But against, like, the bottom feeders, they're doing the same thing. Like, they find themselves in close contests for no reasons. So I like this, man. I love this pick a lot. Clemson, Death Valley, incredibly difficult place to play. And Dabo Sweeney didn't get to the top of the mountain with luck. Like, he has a big game in him and can do certain things here and there. So I like that one. Uh, Another one I'm going to go with, man, is is the Big 12 just going to die this weekend? Give me Kansas State over Texas, because Kansas State is one of the hottest teams in the country. They are steamrolling opponents at this moment. Um, Malik Murphy showed some flashes against BYU for Texas, but it was BYU. Like I just think Kansas State's a completely different beast. Chris Kleinman and that team, they're defending Big 12 champions. Although the game is in Texas, I like what they do on both sides of the ball. There's a clear identity. They know who they are, and I just think they're going to be too much for Texas, especially without Quinn Ewers.
3: Yeah, the Quinn Ewers part. I'm completely on board. We didn't realize just how important he was to that team. They've recruited the quarterback position well, but Ewers really is the engine there. They need him. So I like what you're doing here. Do not hate that. Do we know what the who's favored in Washington, USC? Washington. I'm assuming assuming Washington is. Um, hmm, That's not by a lot. Yeah. Got my eye on that one. Um, yeah. Why not? I'll make that my next one. I don't want to steal one of yours. I like a couple of years that you've got bolded, but I'm gonna let you cook on those. So I'll go. Uh, I think USC has what it takes to pull us off. We are obviously not believers in USC, uh, but the Washington, Arizona state game alarming. Uh, I was I was very alarmed by what I saw there. And if there's some type of blueprint that was put out there, the bones, the the riggedy, like irradiated bones of this USC Trojans defense might be able to scheme up a game plan to slow down this Washington passing attack. And if they can and it becomes a shootout, um, USC's got the – they got the dogs. They got the horses for that race. So I'll go USC in a shootout.
1: One of the biggest things to remember with this game is that – is USC only has one conference loss still. So it's like, they have the one loss to Notre Dame, which is out of conference, so that if they beat Washington. They're right back in the thick of this They're right thing. in it. So it's yep. like, I don't think that they think, I think the playoff is way too far away for them, but it's like, you could upset the established order and still come away as conference champion and take it away from other people, especially your rivals in your last year in the Pac-12 together. So I like that pick. I think they're a little a, a little too devalued at this point with what they can still do.
3: Yeah. Getting good value there. And there's already like Lincoln Riley should be out at the end of the year talk, which is wild, but like, yeah, it is, it is weird. So, I mean, this is kind of a must win for him. Maybe not must win, but like just below must win.
1: Yeah. Uh, No, I like that pick. And of course we should tell the listeners we are forcing ourselves to make three picks here. Like we both have to make three picks and I'm going to spice it up for my last one. I'm going to do it. Uh, They should have won last year in Columbia, Uh, The game got away from a little bit late at the end. I think Missouri is a much better team this year. I think Georgia's gone the other direction just slightly. Give me Missouri in between the hedges to take down Georgia. Like, probably going to be wrong on this one. I know I'm reaching. um, I love the spread for the Tigers. I believe it's at like 16 and a half. I'm already all over that. I saw people get on it early at 18 and a half. It's already come down. Missouri is explosive. On offense. I mean, if not for the shootout loss to LSU, they'd be undefeated right now. That game was very tight down to the wire. Um, it's gonna be see how their defense holds up. Their secondary is good. I don't know if they can get enough pressure on Carson Beck, but like the way they had him game plan last year and had him down to the wire with a better Georgia team and a worse Missouri team. Give me the Tigers.
3: I love this. Um, I could tell you didn't even necessarily believe it, some of the things you were saying there, but like, the cover, you might be onto something. You definitely might be on something. Covers there, the I think, yeah. There. Yeah, with the cover. But the thing about Georgia is we still don't know exactly how good they are. They seemingly went up a level against Florida. Not a very yeah. good Florida team, but, but yeah. Georgia looked incredible, and you can only play the the schedule put out in front of you. So this is going to be a great game for figuring out just exactly what we have on our hands with this Georgia team. And that one would help us the most by far, like getting Georgia out of the picture and, and mixing things up a little bit. Let's spice it up. I love this upset pick, even if I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. That is great stuff, sir.
1: Great slate of games. Um,
3: any other games on here that we didn't touch on that you want to get to? Uh,
1: no, we touched it a little bit earlier. Uh, UCLA at Arizona. We're both drinking the Jed fish Kool-Aid. Um, also like, I, I, I wish I could get there with like Florida state at Pitt all the way. Pat and kind of coaching for his job after some bad performances, but Pitt is the only team to beat Louisville this season. And like, you know how I feel about the Cardinals. So it's like, does Narduzzi have an ace in the sleeve to pull something off off against Florida State? I don't think so. But like I think it could be tricky for a quarter.
3: Yeah, Florida State's vulnerable. I, we both agree on that. Somebody can find a way to to crack this nut. I totally agree. All right, sir. Let's get into our game. We have got Purdue this weekend, back in the big house, you will be in attendance for a night game. For some reason, uh, some type—it's got to be some type of contractual obligation, or has to do with yeah, it's definitely got to do with TV rights and schedule filling, whatever. Um, but not, nonetheless, it'll be great to have Michigan football back, and especially after the the two weeks we've had to actually talk about a game again, is exciting. Even if Purdue is not, they are two and six, sixth in the Big Ten West, coming off a 31-14 loss to Nebraska. Uh, what are your What are your overall thoughts? Give me your thirty thousand foot view of this Purdue team and this matchup.
1: Well, man, Purdue might be the worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> like, Purdue is really bad. Like early on in the year, I thought they'd have some upset potential uh, under head coach first year Ryan Walters. I really thought like they could be one of the just sleek teams in the Big Ten West. You know, maybe sneak up and take a game here and there. No, they're not. They are bad. They are very bad. On paper, it looks even worse. They're 106th in scoring offense and 103rd in scoring defense. You don't need to be a mathematician to understand how bad this team is. Um, their only wins on the season came over Virginia Tech and the other one? Illinois. They somehow smoked Illinois. It's been a weird year for them. Haven't caught much of them in live action, but anything I have seen, it's not been good.
3: We did predict that it was going to be a rough, or at least I know this was one that I was on in our preseason yeah. predictions, that it was going to be a rough transition, just stylistically to make a change like that from the, the Jeff Brom pass, pass happy attack to a more defensive centric. Seems like they want to run the ball. And Devin Mockaby's had an all right year um, I mean, producing on the ground numbers wise, but seven fumbles is yes. less great. They turn the ball over quite a bit. Um, and that's been a big problem, both in the running attack and in the passing attack where Hudson Carr eight touchdowns to seven interceptions. He's only averaging 6.2 yards uh, per completion and completing 59% of his passes. So like nothing is great about that. Uh, He's been sacked 18 times. So there's just really nothing exciting about this offense. Um, Mockaby is a good player, but behind this offensive line and with the passing attack that that doesn't really scare anyone. Uh, Dion Burks is by far their best receiver. I mean, it's not really too close. He's got five touchdowns on the season but i think will johnson's going to shut his water off and their offense is going to really really struggle
1: yeah it's just i don't know how they're going to sustain drives against michigan and that's one of the biggest things like maybe walters is going to draw up a trick play here and there something like that but with michigan with an extra week to prepare coming off the bye i expect a little rust but i also expect them to be almost over prepared for what's coming their way I don't think they have the horses to do it. Uh, Defensively, I think it's even more grim. Their third-down defense is the second-worst in the Big Ten, one of the worst in the entire country. Just I think it's ranked 116th, so they're not going to be able to get off the field, which is going to tire down the defense, make them more vulnerable for big plays, explosives. The Michigan defense is going to force some turnovers this one, so keep the Boilermakers defense on the field even more. I think you could see lopsided time of possession, something staggering in this. And I think Michigan is just going to roll through them.
3: The defense is rough. And here's a a fun little exercise that we can do just to illustrate that. How many names do you think I need to go through before I get to their leading tackler on the defensive line? So, I mean, at Michigan, you look at all our leading tacklers, like a lot of them are on the line this year because things aren't getting to the second level. Things are certainly not getting to the third level. I'm just going to read it for you. Here's their top tacklers in it listed off by position. Their leading tackler is Dylan Thineman with 52 total. He's a defensive back. Then it goes defensive back, linebacker, 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 defensive back, defensive back, defensive back, linebacker, defensive lineman. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's he the 10th leading tackler on their team. So this second level has just been getting peppered. That is I've never seen that. I have never seen you have to go that far down a list to find a defensive lineman. He's only got 10 tackles on the season. 10 on the season. Yeah. They're, they're leading tackler on the defensive line. Like that's like, insane. I expect and no sacks.
1: Yeah. Like I expect linebackers to be high, but it's like, even on right. Michigan's team last year, you, you only have to go to five. Like it's right there. I've never seen 10 like that. 10 deep. Oh man, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for one positive for Purdue, it's uh, Kydrin Jenkins, uh, the Big Ten sack leader. He has seven on the year off the edge. One of the top graded players all season. It kind of just feels like you know he's a Brad Pitt in a B movie. (laughs) Like, just like what are you doing on this defense? So he's a guy to watch. Could give the tackle some good work, getting him ready for Penn State. But I think this game is the definition of a tune-up game, and probably Michigan's second. Easiest opponent on the season behind East Carolina. Purdue's bad.
3: Brutal, brutal. Yeah, I don't have much more to add. Yeah, I guess uh, they have Kedra Jenkins listed as a linebacker, but he will be lined up on the edge, so that helps them a little bit, but it's still pretty grim for them. Still, still on the grimmer side of things. This is not a very good football team. Still trying to figure out what their identity is going to be. I imagine long-term, it'll be on the defensive side of the ball. They just need some time to get their guys in and rebuild, kind of a start-from-scratch moment, but this is going to be ugly, man, so Let's not dwell on it. Uh, I I think it'll just be good for Michigan to get back out there and start talking with their pads again. So give me your players to watch, your men of the match, and a score prediction.
1: Players to watch. um, Khalil Mullings, coming back from injury, has been practicing again this week. I think he could get a lot of good reps to really get his feet wet again. So he's a player to watch on offense, uh, defensively, I'm gonna to stick to our conversation from earlier. I'm gonna give you Rod Moore. Just keep seeing where his progression is, how he's like like faring, because next week you're gonna need him against Penn State to do some certain things. Uh, men of the match prediction: Give me Blake Corum on the ground. Give me. I, I I said I wouldn't pick against McCarthy. I could be running a fool's errand here, but like, give me Blake Corum on the ground. Still feels pretty safe. And defensively, give me Josh Wallace. I think this could be. Josh, I think they're going to stay away from Will Johnson. If they were smart, they would. And Hudson Card is going to give you plenty of opportunities to get a pick. Wallace should have had one against Michigan State, so I think he's going to make up for it in this one. Could easily go with a myriad of players on the offensive line or even the res- or defensive line or the reserves. Uh, final score, man, this is going to be ugly. Like, this is going to be bad. Like, I, I, I don't want to sound too arrogant and pick a back-to-back shutout, so I'll give them uh, a mercy killing here. I'm going to say Michigan wins this game fifty two to three. Uh, yeah, you're not far off I mean,
3: <laughs> it's a thirty five point spread as it stands now. Yeah. And my guess is gonna be that's only gonna go up as it gets closer. So I agree with you. Uh, like your players to watch there. players to watch for me. Uh, let me go ahead and get let me get Samaj Morgan. Let's see, go. like, there seems to be a concentrated effort to get him involved. Is the, is he so good that, like, we need to burn the red shirt and see that guy out here? for? Because how many games has he played? Oh, in? it's he gone. It's gone, shirt? yeah. It's gone. Okay, it's I gone. thought so, so never mind. But is he going to be a piece of this offense moving forward? How much of a piece is he going to be? I think maybe this could be a good game to get him involved. And on defense, good guy to watch on this one. Give me Makari Page. There I, I want to see Makari Page show up. He had a great um, game so, against Michigan state. Best game of the year. He's he's had good games, but he hasn't had a game where you're like, Oh, it's the McCary page game. So yeah. I would love a McCary page game. That would be tremendous. Uh, men of the match. I'm going to stick with JJ McCarthy. Although I think you might be onto something with the Blake Corum thing, the tackles by their secondary leads me to believe that he might be, uh, going five, six, seven yards before contact in this one. You might be onto something. Um, donovan edwards another candidate there but i like where you're at i'll stick with jj though just because this is his season and i've got money on him to win the heisman now so uh let's let's go ahead and see that to fruition on defense give me the josiah stewart game i think he has been ascending um i could see him continuing his ascent i really like just what he brings, not just as an edge rusher, but in the running game too. He's extremely versatile. So I'll go there. I think you're you're right on the right track as far as your prediction. I'm gonna mix it up though. So let me go with. Oh, this is gonna be an ugly one. Let me go fifty-five to six, and we'll say they score and try and go for two, and does not happen. That's that's my prediction. This is gonna be an ugly one. We're gonna wash them out.
1: It's it's going to be bad, man. We're going to hit. November eleventh tw- before we see Michigan players potentially play a full game in a season. I this is unprecedented.
3: Yeah, and if we are playing a full game in this one, we got some concerns. Like there, maybe the vibes are off. Like there's no reason we should be playing a fourth quarter game against these guys. So, should be ugly. That should be what you should expect. Um, The one thing to to maybe think about is night game. Last time there was one of these was not JJ McCarthy's best game. So, another guy, just another thing to keep your eye on. How does he? Well, night home game wasn't his best. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Michigan
1: State was a night game. And yeah, it did not. It was, it was pretty good.
3: (laughs) Right. Very, very true. Yeah. yeah. Night home game. Yeah. That's what I meant. But, um, and there's probably nothing to that. I mean, I would imagine that JJ is going to be just fine in this one if I had to predict. So,
1: yeah. That was, Uh, I I think that game was the most important game of JJ McCarthy's career to like put him where he is now. Oh, I'm
3: completely with you there, brother. Uh, This was great. Excited to talk about real football again. We'll be back to two podcasts a week moving forward for the rest of the season. This time next week, we're going to be previewing a real fun one. We've got Penn State preview next week, so we'll do something special for that. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Shout out to your friend and loyal listener, Siobhan Robinson. We appreciate you tuning in. God bless. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.